Welcome back to Jokerman. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And we're closing out our Jokerman 100 series of episodes where Ian and I go through 100 songs that, if not necessarily the capital B best of the songs post-67 of Bob Dylan's career, are at least the ones that we think are basically and uh, are worth your time. So uh, go into it with that so you don't um, have a big anime style like vein popping out of your head and have to go to the hospital. <laughs> uh, we're just going to tell you right up front, folks, there's not going to be any more desire on the list. So if that's your bag, you know, you might need to just go ahead and shut the episode off right now. Yeah, I understand. Go to, go to Black Diamond subject. Bay. <laughs> Listen, Black Diamond Bay, that's on the first part of the uh, first part of the 100. Great song. Love that song. But, uh, you know, we have... We're done with the desire at this point, so we we apologize in advance. This is the the trigger warning, the content warning for anyone who needs that. Uh, all of you desire snowflakes out there. Yeah. <laughs> See, you but, said it, not me. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I I can start taking taking some of the anger at this point. <laughs> Let's just get into it. Thirty-two, I think. No, thirty-three. 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 What do we got? I'll be your baby tonight. Nineteen sixty-seven. I'll be your watchtower tonight. Hmm. <laughs> People got angry that uh, uh, along the watchtower was at one hundred. I knew they would. I knew they would. I think that's a totally fine place for that song. It's, yeah, because it's, it's like you don't want to listen to that all. The, like, who actually like is like. Damn, I want to listen to All Along the Watchtower. Like, we put it in our top 100, but it's not... It's, like, just on the cusp of being a song that, like, nobody actually listens to because it's, like, so ubiquitous. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a good song. Great song. Uh, But, uh, you know, Bob's got a lot of those, so... Anyways, this is not that song. This is... I'll Be Your Baby Tonight, um, as made famous by... uh, Harry Dean Stanton. uh, Harry Dean Stanton and the the Cheap Dates. Yeah. (laughs) Great name, great name for a backing band. Yeah, no, that's a great version. Um, But uh, this song is just, uh, you know, it's at a certain point, some of these are going to just be like, I'm sorry to say, just uh, classic Jokerman maneuver of what is there to say, and uh, this is one of those because, frankly, there's not much to read into. It's just like, um, it's just like we're talking about a great candy bar, like one that everyone loves. It's like, yes. this is like us talking about Reese's Cups. It's like, oh, it's really good. <laughs> Tastes really, it's so good. Not a big Reese's Cups guy, gotta be honest. What do you like? <laughs> What's your favorite candy bars? Well, I'm, not, I'm really a chocolate guy, so I, I, I can't You're say that You're a chocolate I guy? I'm not a chocolate guy, so I can't okay, say that I really here, have a Okay, here's a question for you. What, do you think chocolate is a candy bar? Uh, I mean, when I think of a candy bar, I think of some sort of chocolate. Chocolate is involved in a candy bar. There's yeah. no question. See, to me, a candy bar is like something that actually is like at least 50% not chocolate. Like so it like has to have... peanut butter or... Peanut butter, like nougat. Like uh, I think nougat, of like a, Char- yeah. a Charleston chew. That's like a mm, full on mm-hmm. candy bar, you know? Like it's caramel like mo- or something? Yeah, it's like got a candy coating or a chocolate coating, but it's like mostly not chocolate. Um, right. Candy bar has to have a, some kind of non-chocolate element, but a uh, uh, Butterfinger totally like that's a candy bar. 
Sure. Yeah. They, I mean, there's a distinction between the candy bar and the chocolate bar. You right. Know, cho- you know, chocolate bar is chocolate. A candy bar yeah, I mean, has I think chocolate I, involved, but it's, exactly. you know, it's candy first and foremost. It's not chocolate first and foremost. Uh, what, what chocolate, what, not, what, not what chocolate bar, what candy bar is I'll Be Your Baby Tonight? I'll Be Your Baby Tonight is, um... Something sweet, something simple, something classic. You know, uh, what's in a Mars bar? Um, isn't there coconut in a Mars or is that Mounds? No, you're thinking of Mounds. I'm thinking of Mounds. <laughs> I think it is yeah. kind of like Mounds. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Mozambique is Mounds. <laughs> See, that's right, yeah. Mozambique is a Mounds bar. <laughs> what's in a payday? Uh, uh, peanuts are in a payday. I know that. You know, that's a, this is a payday. I'll be your baby yeah. tonight. Mr. Mr. Good Bar. It's kind of like Mr. Good Bar, too. Mr. Good Bar. I don't know that I know Mr. Good Bar. You don't know Mr. Good Bar? No, I don't think so. Maybe Kit Kat? Is this a Kit Kat? Yeah, let's just be simple. It's a Kit Kat. Perfect. You can't, I'll everyone be your baby loves tonight. it. You can break it in half, but it's better when it, you just get to chomp down the whole thing like a, like a freak. Right, you bite on, you bite through like three of the different sections all at once. That is fun to do. Yeah. Uh, great song. Uh, 32, another great song. Uh, one that uh, really, really struck you very heavily uh, the other night after you uh, went to a bar and uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Had, a, had a fun time with an acquaintance, apparently. Uh, Precious Angel. <laughs> uh, I was re-listening to all of um, <clears throat> this album of Slow Train. And Precious Angel just, uh, you know, the whole record was really striking to me, you know, after like being in like a crowded bar full of like people I kind of know. It's because like, you know, this record just just hits on that level of being like, why the fuck do I go to bars? A bunch of heathens. Yeah, just like why I'm in Sodom and Gomorrah in the West Village, you know. (laughs) And this song is kind of like that. And this song is just has, but this song is so beautiful, Precious Angel. It's so beautiful and also so dark and so um, full of fury yes. and fire. It has, it's, it's such a cool blend of equal parts, um, brimstone and, uh, and, and, and mana from heaven. You know, it's, it's yes. a, a great combo it, in a way. It is like a candy bar as well. What what candy bar is Precious Angel? Uh, it's like a. It's one of those ones that uh, you know, like um, that church kids sell door to door, you know, for like a, a, a Sunday school fundraiser or something. You know, they come they come to your come to your door, they knock on it, and they you know they stick out the little mason jar, you toss a nickel in there, and you get some sort of. Like off-brand candy. Well, no, you know, maybe it, maybe it's like a, a, a just if we're thinking candy, maybe we can broaden the spectrum a little bit. What candy is this song? Mm, mm. Um, I think it's a little bit like a uh, like like a, what's the really hot um, a fire fireball? Type oh yeah, one? yeah, red hots. Mm, you know the other one. It's like I mean, it's like just like one ball that's like very cinnamon. Right, right, right. I know. Yeah. I think there's a couple different names for that because it's like sort of a generic product. Fire, fire. Uh, yeah. it's, this this song is like graham crackers actually because it's like okay. it's it's you know it was it's like a delightful thing that was That's invented. Not even candy. It, it was invented to cure sinning. It was to, to stop people from masturbating. Right. Yeah. To stop people from beating off. This song yeah. definitely. <laughs> actually, you know, honestly, this song I bet 
you know, I, I could see swinging, swinging your sweetie baby around on the dance floor in this and getting a little hot and heavy and then uh, might lead to a little more sinning. Uh, than you might have intended to initially. No, because you're going to get married first. You make sure that this is a th- sure, not, right. you're not living in sin. Anyway, right. this, it's just like probably the most beautiful <laughs> guitar. Such a great guitar line. It's so just like really an like, incredible vibe. So so just like right out the gate, just like boom, you are in a beautiful song. Yes, and it also the features horns lines like, are stunning. Uh, you know, when men will beg God to kill them, and, and then we'll be, be able, able to, to die. die. You it's were like, telling him about Buddha. You were telling him about, about Muhammad, Muhammad in the in same breath. breath. You never mentioned one time the, the man, man who, who came, came and, and died, died a criminal's, criminal's death. death. He's like the most fun guy at the party, but he's got the the beautiful song to back it up. You know, it's it, you are listening to him despite your um, godless. Uh, urbanite ways you you can't help but but be captivated by the gospel we are covered in blood girl you know our forefathers were slaves let us hope they found mercy in their bone-filled graves god this is such a fucking brutal song and it just sounds absolutely just like crystal clear vibes musically speaking it's It's so funny yeah it's it's an amazing it's a it's a land of contrast. Uh, what a great What's song. What's next? Precious Angel. Uh, well, you know where you might find a precious angel is in heaven, which is where. When we're did you to, leave heaven? Which is <laughs> <laughs> not quite. It's where we're trying to get to with song number thirty-one. Yeah. Trying to get to heaven, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, trying to get to heaven. As much as I love this version, which is terrific. The, I mean, the one that you hear on uh, Time Out of Mind. I am very partial to the the version that is the live version you hear on, um, uh, on Telltale Signs. Telltale Signs. Yes. Uh, fucking lovely, or whatever he says. Right. On the $100 disc, the million-dollar disc. Yeah. Worth it alone just for that lovely version. But um, Yes. Yeah, this yeah, is a, ki- a stunner. A stunner. Yeah, it's a great song. The uh, the kill yourself version on Telltale Signs is really is pretty striking. I'm I'm with you on that. But this one also just like the way it comes right in out the gate with that piano that just enormous just do do do. It's yeah, and the man, air is getting hotter. There's a rumbling in the sky. Some of my favorite. Those are like one of my favorite lyrics. I think this is really like best case scenario for uh, a Dan Land kind of production. Like it is, it's big, it's it's clearly produced, it's heavy, but it's still it's like it's beautiful and it kind of brings the music out more. You know, he he's he's he has a heavy touch, but it, like it's appropriate, I think, in this case. Yeah, hundred percent. And if if we were doing the Jack Frost thing, it could be you know maybe maybe it wouldn't come across quite as uh, as fully as it does in reality. Uh, all right, 30. And here, I got to say, you know, really from here on out, I mean, this is, we're getting into the heavy hitters at this point, folks. So strap in, stick with us. Number 30, Key West, 2020. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Key West was kind of the sleeper hit of the record, um, uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. It was kind of like the one that, a lot of the seasoned bob heads were, were it struck them like I, I saw so many uh, tweets and 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 such just about how this song is like far and away so many people's favorites. 
It really favorite. is an incredible song, and and I think almost has had like a little bit of its thunder stolen by Murder Most Foul right after it at the end of this record, which is twice as long. Key West is already like nine and a half minutes long. Like, but you, you know, it's got that that Murder Most Foul doesn't. It's what got an that? accordion. It does have the accordion. Yes, and and <laughs> and I think this point. song it, it it actually sort of feels like. Uh, it's one of these rare treats that I I love to to find in a in a Bob record where it's like a song that's like so substantial and long, but also just like so so much a vibe. It it's like it, it it's like it feels illegal that a song could be this good this long and just like let you be in this mood for so long. It's right. it's like it it actually crosses that threshold where the song becomes like medicinal. It feels like it does you good to hear it. It's like stepping into the um, the beautiful waters of the Florida coast and feeling refreshed and renewed and yeah, and, and it's in, it's inspiring. You know, it just makes you think about like I love that he talks about these other artists. Like he's mentioned, he says Ginsburg, Corso, and Kerouac, and of right. course, unspoken. Uh, also, uh, a sort of legendary Key West figure is um, uh, uh, we're all waiting on pins and needles for the answer. You know, uh, um, old man in the sea. You know, Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> Heming- Hemingway, you know, another <laughs> another sort of famous Key West denizen. There's, but there's just so much wrapped up in this, you know, immor- the idea of immortality being central to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love that he mentions Ginsburg, Corso, and Kerouac, the beats. Like, I, I think that he really is of that lineage. And, like, I, I think we'll do an episode later at some point where we kind of delve more into that, into right. Dylan as a seen through the lens of like the beat generation of which he is kind of the last surviving in some ways, like uh, really kind of the last guy. Besides, yeah. Furling, I think like the, just passed. Yeah. The, the only other guy I can think of who's still around is, um, is uh, the guy from Dharma bums. Um, did you ever read that? No, I'm not really much of a Kerouac guy. Um, what's his name? Sorry, this is the second time I've done this. We're once again waiting on pins and needles. Um, hold on. Gary Snyder. Gary Snyder. Gary Snyder. Um... I think that he's like the one of the other few guys who's still alive, but like Dylan, you know, he's basically as as Ginsburg said, sort of like passed the torch to him, and he's still carrying it. He is, and I don't know who he's passed it to himself. Uh, yeah, but Key West, Pablo, uh, Pablo Dylan, Pablo Dylan. Yes, of course, Levi, <laughs> Levi Dylan. Um, really incredible song. You know, uh, it's sort of unexpected, very unexpected, actually, for him to just write this, like, appreciation of Florida, I think, out of nowhere. But he really, like, makes it bigger than 
what you might initially expect it to be. There is this sort of mystic and like um, tall tales ish aspect to the song. You know, he's got Truman's got his White House there. He's marrying a prostitute when he's twelve years old. You know, there's um, it, it's unclear how much of this is real life stuff that he's referencing and how much of this is some sort of story um, or fiction that he's created for himself. It's classic Bob. And really, I do think, would have seemed even more Titanic than it already does seem, no pun intended, um, if it didn't have, if it didn't have Murder Most Foul following it immediately. Because it is like a real striking song, extremely long, extremely dense lyric with tons of allusions and stuff. And then its thunder is just immediately stolen by a song that's twice as long that has three times as many you know pop cultural allusions uh, right after it. Um, but you know, taken on its own merits, it's really uh, incredible. And you know, as all of the press around Rough and Rowdy has been focused on, more so, uh, even more incredible. Um, given that he was seventy nine years old when he put this out, um, twenty nine. Boy, we're in the twenties now. This is this is the good shit. I shall be released. This is especially a version that you favor, I think, the most. It sure is, yes. We, we're, that you uh, love so well. I certainly do. Uh, longtime Jokerman listeners will remember uh, the intense fondness that we and I in particular have for the Budokan records, uh, and uh, in particular the I Shall Be Released version on that uh, live album. And you better believe that's the one that we're talking about here, uh, which is just such a... Um, uh, I, I don't even know what kind of words I can use to describe the song. The guitar, absolutely incredible. The horns, when they come on, like, this is just, this is how this song is supposed to sound and, like, really be fully realized, I think. And it's one of those ones that I almost feel a little cheated on because it never really got, like, a canonical, super clean, well-produced, full-band studio recording. Um, this is... But this is it, you know. This is this is the 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 version that goes down in the history books. And uh, another example, uh, like I, I think we talked about a little bit earlier, um, of the you know kind of early '70s songwriting, along with Forever Young, where it's this like just super straight, super clean, almost spiritual songwriting, but not religious quite yet, um, sort of stuff uh, that we'll uh, also see with a couple other ones that are going to come up um, after this. You know, I just. No one else can do it like him. Um, and such a simple song, blown out, so complex and so fat with this band. It's it's the perfect kind of marriage of things. Oh, it just makes me smile every time I hear it. You can't you can't put this on. I just, I don't for the life of me understand. I feel like now that there's now that there's more of a Twitter following that's uh, that we've got uh, coming around. Uh, we need to start talking about Budokan also, because that's going to get people pissed off as well. Yeah, we should revisit it just just for the Make it clear that Budokan is far superior to Before the Flood. It Um, is, yeah. Yeah, that's that's easy. That's an easy one. Simple. 28, Po' Boy, 2001. It's a song about a sandwich, and uh, it's a song. Uh, you like you like about po a boys? lot of other things too. Do I like po? Do what? Did you just ask me? Do I like po boys? I'm just clarifying. Of course, who doesn't? You can put anything Do we, on one of those. What What's your preferred po boy filling? 
Oh, probably fried oysters. Oysters, interesting. I like okay. a fried oyster po, po boy because uh, there, there's so much. You, you ever had one of those? I don't know that I've had oysters. A, fr- a deep fried oysters, they're great. They're they're so good. Uh, great on a po boy. It's the richness really balances well with like, you know, some coleslaw or whatever, or some pickles, whatever you want to put on there. Right. You know, some some Tabasco. Forget about it. With a little shredded lettuce. Good sandwich. Good song too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we just we talked about this quite a bit, I think, on uh, once again on this episode. And, and we it's already not the recorded. last it hasn't time come out either. yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, you know, it's it's uh, it's such a like left turn on Love and Theft, which is already an album full of left turns. But even still, getting this close to the end of the record, like this is just not what you're expecting. Um, and um, and it's the only thing that sounds like it on the record. And, but it's I don't know. It, it's this incredible fusion of like like knock knock jokes and stupid humor that's still hilarious uh and, really and there's something just so song, like a jerry lewis so kind of charming song. though about that that i just love the, like you love that uh guitar on a i shall be released i i love that uh the guitar on this song just that sure yeah so like light and wistful beautiful. it's so yeah wistful is the word it just like makes me think of being on on a hill, uh, you know, overlooking the freeway, <laughs> you know, seeing the seeing the world pass by. It's it's such sure. a beautiful uh, image. And really, you know, who else but Bob could write a song like this, uh, Watch, where he's watching the clouds scroll by. He's talking about, you know, his uncle doing a lot of nice things for him and how he won't forget him. And then also knock knock jokes about Ready Freddy, and uh, paying four dollars or something only that cost three. It's like Freddy or not, you know, here I come. Yeah, it's insane. Um, uh, I don't know. It's the the humor aspect of things. I think is is often lost, um, especially you know when we when we talk about latter day material of his. Uh, this song is fucking like it's it's not laugh out loud funny, but just like you smile and you yeah, chuckle to yourself every chuckle. time you hear it. Yeah, it's just well, well you know, get all your chuckles out of your system now because the next few songs are are not like that. <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna be moving away from the uh, chuckly good times into some heavier material. Uh, Darkness with, are gonna war is gonna wash over us. Yeah, twenty seven. This isn't super dark quite yet. Ring them bells, nineteen eighty nine. It's not dark yet. Is that what you're saying? Oh well, um, <laughs> it's uh, hint hint. Ring them bells. Um, this is one of your more favorites, I think. Um, I mean, yeah, I like this I song like very much. I soured on Ring Them Bells since we like initially. You know, did I, I said Mercy recently that Ring Them Bells, I think, is actually done. But this is the case for a few of these, but I didn't contest them as being up so high because in a lot of these cases, it's like they're songs where I've heard versions that are not on the record that I think reach the potential that I always felt the song has. Right. And um, so that's the case with this song. Like I, there are there's versions that are live that I think are a little bit stronger. Yeah, the there's, Supper Club version in particular. Really great. Yeah, really great. Um, but I mean, this the song has just such a strong foundation that, uh, yeah, is it, it's it, it's totally up, worth being up there. And I just really appreciate and respect the ambition of the song. I like that it's um, it, it has such a far reaching uh and and seems to be such a, a morally um, clear-eyed song without being 
absolutely. Uh, without being mired in any like particular ideology or right or or anything like that or religious uh, point of view, it's it's just kind of like this type of song that Dylan can do where it feels like profound just in a general sense. It's just yeah. like, I'm going to do a profound one now. Yeah. As, as with, I think the best uh, examples of his, you know, sort of more religious songwriting, it's, it's less about like, you know, casting aspersions on others and more on, you know, finding strength and inspiration within. And, uh, and I yeah. think it's something that even, you know, uh, anyone who, who listens to can connect with whether or not they are of any particular religious persuasion. This, you know, 89, Bob isn't even, you know, uh, technically doing any sort of religious kind of material anymore, but he's just, he's integrated this kind of songwriting style and this spirit and this energy into his artistic oeuvre by this point. Um, the same way that he has, you know, protest songs and bluesmen and, um, you know, everything else, uh, it's just metabolized into one other kind of like channel of energy that, that drives his, um, creative spirit, uh, you know, and this Ring is the perfect example bells, of that as far as I'm concerned. The, poor man's son. the pretty light restrained touch from Lanois also, it's mostly just Bob and a piano and a little bit of a, you know, kind of reverb guitar in the background, but nothing too much that uh, draws away from what's going on here, which I think is the right, uh, the right approach. But yeah, that supper club cut, absolutely hot shit fire. Uh, it's getting dark over here. Sun's setting. It's already dark over there in New York. But oh, it's, it's not dark, dark yet yeah. in California. 26, 1997. It's not dark yet. You ever hear the version that he, he's been doing, like the the one from 2019? You, you did, because you saw that 2019 show. Right. So good. I mean, uh, this song is just... Uh, I've heard it criticized. Um, we've heard it criticized. As being a little obvious, but I think that it's Matt Farley, noted uh, uh, hater of not. Yeah, Duck well, yet. he did. I wouldn't say hater, but I think he just was like, yeah. But I, I think of this song as being. <laughs> it's no, it's no trouble. Trouble, 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 nothing but trouble. This song, I think, is like, it's it's got like a most of the time type of feeling where it's like it's just like. Well, why didn't I think of that? It's like every songwriter in the world probably heard this song and it's just like, why didn't I think of that? Like, right, that's of so course, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, like just kicking themselves. Like, it's so obvious. Like, every songwriter past a certain age, like, you, you know, you, it, this is like the definitive song about, like, it's not, it's about aging, but it's also about the whole thing, the whole big yeah. picture. And it, it feels especially more and more. Like to me, it feels more and more like it's about the whole big picture, and uh, I, I guess I won't say more than that. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's it's as with uh, some of the great songs that he's written in the past, right? and I say in the past, like this isn't a twenty-five year old song, which it is at this point. Damn, um, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wild. Um, it's uh, it's applicable to his life and his particular situation at this moment in time and his weird heart thing, but it's also applicable to virtually anyone else in their own personal life. It you're could you're be referring, of course, to his uh, health scare around the yes, time. Yes, his health scare from inhaling duck shit on his motorcycle. <laughs> um, uh, 
Uh, it could also be applicable to the entire like fucking human existence on Earth. <laughs> it's not. That's dark kind yet, of what I was getting at. I, I don't want to. We, we might as well just not even say more. It's uh, it's just it's, it's just um, uh, it hits on a, on several levels. Yeah, on every level, really, not several, just each and every one. Um, you know, it's uh, there. There's there's profundity in the simple in the simplicity. Uh, speaking of which, twenty five. Top quarter. It's really getting tight now, y'all. Pressing on, 1980. When And we are pressing on, just as we are. Just as we are. Uh, I fucking th- love this song so, so much. So we, we talked a lot about, uh, well, we talked earlier about um, when he returns, uh, as being kind of like a crown jewel of the Christian period records. And this one, I think, is like the other uh, side of that. It's a, it's a yes. similar song in some ways. You know, in turn, it serves a similar purpose. Um it's um, it's it's a song that it, it happens to be about Dylan's religious um, uh, belief, uh, at least in the context of when it came out. But um, it's it's not just about that. It's it's also kind of like I mean, it doesn't take too much of a leap in your mind to recognize that it, it applies to his whole career and and largely, you know, uh, more broadly to just the the to any artist who, or anybody, but especially an artist, I think who is continuing to, to work and to be inspired by, mm-hmm. by life and not just giving up and folding the tent. Um, and you know, it's a song that like forever young, you know, you only get a forever young. If you, if you're willing to press on, I could one could say, you know, you, you don't, you don't just get to be forever young. Being forever young also includes having to like deal with the tough, the toughness of life, and be tough in return, and do a song like this where you you are addressing that it's it's not always easy to to keep going, but you're gonna do it. Yes, he's pressing on to the higher calling of his Lord. Really, an incredible kind of studio production, I think, because it's like. There's a real drama and gravitas to the song. It's obviously such a simple kind of lyric and and idea. You know, he's pressing on. That's it. Uh, but the way that it builds and just kind of really gets off on a slow foot, and they're just kind of going step by step, and then it just the the band comes in, the singers come in. It really kind of starts floating, gets higher and higher, and it's just. I don't know, there's this like kind of euphoric feeling to the song by the end of it. Really, you know, kind of something approaching spiritual, like a, a vision or something, as far as I know, at least. Um, you know, that um, it, 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 the, the, like the, the actual object, the song itself reinforces the thematic, um, you know, concerns with it, I think. I, it's, it's really an incredible song in that way and unique in his discography because he doesn't really do this too often. Um, but there's this real kind of i don't know weight to it by the end of it um that just it's a it's a shivers down your spine kind of moment also just you know incredible incredible lines in the like first of the two real verses here what kind of sign they need when it all come from within when what's lost has already been found or when what's lost has been found what's to come has already been man insane yeah great backing vocals too absolutely Oh, Saved is not a bad record. I'm coming around on Saved. Yeah, and, and you know, this comes kind of like, it's not 
it's not in the very end. It's like it gets it can get a little lost in the shuffle. It's like in the la- last half of the record, but it's it's it gets a little buried. I think you know. Yeah. It, Saved is not a record that ends on one of the best closers. To yeah, be. it really kind of just deflates like a balloon. Um, but they, I think pressing on should have been the the closer. Yeah, yeah, boy, if this would have been the closer, man. I think the whole record would have been thought of a lot more uh, yeah. favorably. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, boy, pressing on. Man, these really are some heavy hitters here. 24, Lay Lady Lay. Come on. I mean, Lay Lady Lay is like... I think I'm going to start talking about this more and more as we get into this the the uh, top-tier stuff, but it, no, it is like... You're it more of, and more. You're hearing it more and more and more and more people saying that there are certain Dylan songs that kind of like... They, they are more than the sum of their parts. They actually add up to like a kind of like medicinal feeling it's like it, it feels like a song like pressing on a song like lay lady lay they just they actually serve a purpose and when you listen to them they they can tell you a bit more about life than most songs ever do and uh this it lay lady lay also just happens to sound amazing it feels so good it's a song about it's it's a romantic song that just like luxuriates and 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 expresses like a really profound idea of 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 like romance um really maybe the sexiest song that he ever recorded yeah he i actually don't love like the later versions of it where he like leans a little too far into the sex aspect like <laughs> there's there's the song where he's like just like like i forget what the lyric changes are exactly it's like but he he makes it a little less like heady and a little bit more like a little more explicit yeah it's just like uh, do you know you know what I'm talking about? Like the the um the version on like Hard Rain, I think that era. I I don't recall the version, but I I believe you. I I I'm only thinking of the fucking Stuttgart version right now from '91. That's just the absolute dumbest possible interpretation, but is still somehow extremely compelling because it's an incredible song. Whatever colors you have in your mind, I'll show them to you. I'll make you make them shine. It's a perfect song. My, my big brass bed. <laughs> mm. I, that was one of the first bits I think we even like had on the one of the first riffs we had on this show. I remember. I don't even remember what we said at this point, but I we're just talking about we were joking bed. about a big brass bed. Yeah, that's when we knew it was gonna be magic. Man, what a song! Twenty three, knocking on heaven's door, nineteen seventy three. These songs are so good. Yeah, Knock on Heaven's <laughs> Door is... Um, I almost it, wanted to focus on the uh, the Budokan version on this one, too. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, the, well, we can. <laughs> which is just an, an incredible, uh, incredible, reggified uh, interpretation. Um, incredible fun. 
but yeah, the I mean, best they, songs to grill too. No matter absolutely. what you're grilling, extremely grill pilled. And, and you know, it's like a song that uh, is totally. Um, it, it it aims for for life and death, and it, it it hits the mark. You know, like Mama, take this badge off of me. Mama, put my guns in the ground. You know, like the entire movie of uh, No Country for Old Men leads up to uh, a feeling that this song just like does in three minutes. You know, right? Yeah, I see that. And really, one of the like the absolute like headline all time entry level basic normie hits of his like blown in the wind um or watchtower that like i i don't find myself getting sick of um and like don't sort of skip when i hear him play it in some sort of live set that i'm listening to on youtube or whatever like i will always sit and listen to an, another a new interpretation or a different interpretation of heaven's door it's just like something about the shortness you know it, it comes and goes pretty quick pretty easy uh, but it's just also such a, like a um, mysterious kind of sense to it. I don't know. Um, it, it, there's just it, there's always more to plumb out of this song. I think, um, and and maybe that something that has something to do with how simple and spare and basic it is initially. It's like two verses on the actual um, the actual Pat Garrett record, um, and he obviously adds additional verses and stuff later on. You know, it's Heaven's Door. Come on. Pretty good whiskey, too. Yeah, this is good. 22. Brownsville girl. With yeah. your Brownsville girl. <laughs> a song that's Teeth better like than pearl. knocking at Shining like the moon. Why is your go-to like mariachi sound and, and your accordion sound just like... Like, why do you do that? That's, I don't know, that's just how it comes out. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the mariachi sort of sound uh, backwards. so good. Yeah. Um, Brownsville Girl is... Uh, Better than New like, Danville Girl, I will absolutely say. I know there's yeah, well, it's a lot got of a better folks out title. there. Hmm? Better title for sure. Certainly a so better it rolls title. off the tongue more. New Danville girl. Yeah, New Danville uh, girl. <laughs> Agora Hills, California girl. <laughs> I mean, you know, the mid to late 80s were Bedford, a... Bedford, uh, Stuyvesant, Brooklyn girl. Right. Um, With your Bedford curls. Yeah, it's a... Jeez, oh, this is like getting harder and harder to talk about as we as we press <laughs> on here. I mean, come on! It's like th- this song is one that I think is basically if you know, it's like a failed epic. But like the place it, you know, you sh- as they say, you shoot for your, the moon, you still end up uh, among the stars, you know. And this song yes. is is playing, it's playing ping pong, it's playing playing pinball with those stars. It's knocking all around that celestial pin, uh, pinball table. Racking up the bonuses, absolutely. Uh, you know... In a truck. Uh-huh. I think that everyone is on the same page here when I say, you know, Bob Dylan, maybe one of the greatest... Certainly, probably the great, one of the greatest living artists today. One of the greatest artists of any generation, living, dead, whatever. Um... Absolutely brilliant songwriter, poet, thinker, writer, 
artist, painter, radio DJ, whatever. Um, he's also done some dumb shit in his life. And Brownsville Girl is kind of a dumb song, uh, especially considering how many minutes he spends just going on and on about this Gregory Peck movie that he doesn't remember that may or may not actually even exist. It exists. I think it's the, I forget what it's called, the gunfighter. The gunfighter, yeah. But he, the, like the plot. There's of the, some the like movie, conflicting, yeah. Yeah, like the, he's referencing a plot of a different Gregory Peck movie than the one he might actually, you know, I don't but, know. But, you know, it, as it, he it, says, it, I'll see a man in anything. I don't In anything, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> um, it's a dumb song, but it's also like the apotheosis of what the mid to late 80s was all about for him and you're exactly right Evan I you know it it's like you know it it was clearly intended to be some sort of like career spanning epic that you know was uh, uh an exclamation point right at the end uh, or what seemed to be at the end in 1986 um and as it turns out, it's an early, early career. It falls in the early songs of Bob Dylan, according to the Shadow Kingdom uh, billing, uh, since it came before Oh Mercy. Um, early career, mid-career, kind of just like masterstroke of idiocy. I, I don't know. It, it, uh, it's a great car song. Scream along to it. Crank the volume. There isn't really a whole lot to say or intellectualize about it. It's just, I fucking love it. It makes me grin every time I hear it. And what more can you ask for? Especially in this Show day. me all around the world. Brownsville girl, you're my <laughs> honey love. <laughs> my, yeah. Okay, next, what's next? You're my honey love. Uh, you can also hear the horns just kind of cut out too early. The production on this is shit. It's so good. Uh, 21, Changing of the Guards, Street Legal. You know, again, one of these great openers. Um, yes. It's it's uh Changing of the Guards is kind of like I think it's it's actually kind of feels like the first uh it feels like he's picking up the ball that was dropped in um after uh Long on Blonde, you know. Yep. Yep. It, it's like back to that sort of mode and uh I don't know what I have else to say besides like obviously that's great <laughs> like <laughs> What, well, of course, that's going to be great. And and he's older and wiser, wearier. And it has this, like, um, extremely... It, I think of it... I don't know why, but I sort of associate it with, I don't know, certain other records that that sort of feel like they are uh, liminal records. They, they sort of like exist in, like, space between other more de- more well-defined eras in certain right. artist's career like this is like a, like growing up in public by uh by lou reed or, sure. or something like that where it's like these very personal and also not like just sort of outlier records that um as we you know we were talking about how i i tweeted a little bit um a, a little bit uh with a, a a twinkle in my eye about how this record is better than desire. I think that's totally true. And I think it's just because of songs like this that are just like infinitely more fascinating for various reasons. And this song has so many memorable moments that are kind of just like little micro worlds unto themselves in, in each line. Yes. Street legal. 16 years. 
one of a kind in the in the discog. Really, kind of you're, you know, liminal is absolutely the right term for it. So fully formed, but so quickly abandoned at the same yeah. time. Like this is such a like the, the you hear a street legal song if you even if you don't know it comes from street legal. Like you know oh, that's a street legal song. Like it all, it all sounds of a of a piece of a package. And then just as quick as it was here, it's gone, you know, onto the Christian era, probably because of that, uh, in fact. Um, but he doesn't really carry too much of the street legal kind of energy and vibe into the Christian area. The, he's got the backing vocals, certainly, but, um, you know, he seemed really eager to abandon everything that was going on in 1977 and 78, which, you know, as, as has been chronicled, was a pretty fucked up period of time for him. Um Changing of the Guards is really kind of like the perfect, you know, kind of the same way that, that On a Night Like This is the perfect distillation of the entire Planet Waves idea, spirit, vibe, whatever. Changing of the Guards is that for Street Legal. Um, you know, it's lengthy, it's dense, it's confusing, it sounds beautiful, it's got this awesome fade in at the beginning, like maybe one of the only fade ins that I can think of in, in yeah. all of his recorded music, unless I'm, you know, forgetting, I'm sure I am forgetting something, but you know, the signature fade in as far as I'm concerned. Um, and a set of lyrics that like maybe are really brilliant, maybe are really stupid, maybe are both. And it's hard to tell which, but never fail to be interesting to puzzle over as you're listening to, uh, to them. And just hearing the backing vocals, like echo him every couple lines. It's such a, it's just such a strong vibe. I, you know, I, I, I could go on and on and I, I, I can't wait for the Street Legal bootleg series, which is apparently coming at some point in the next couple of years, according to that Rolling Stone article from next from a couple of days ago. Uh, that can't that cannot get here soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. What do we got? Top twenty. Next, oh, the top twenty. When the deal goes down, two thousand six. You see, this is one that could be in my top ten. I it think. probably was in your top ten. I think it was Pro- actually. Yeah. Um, Woof. When the deal goes down, I think is one of the most like, I mean the the music of course is um as we know, basically a complete lift from uh, Bing Crosby song. <laughs> However, um, the the song is is totally stands on its own because the lyrics in it are so profound and I think I think it's one of his best love songs, uh, if not the best, like from from my point of view i i just think that it does so much with with that little lyric i'll be with you when the deal goes down yes you know i mean he the 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 rest of the lyrics and it's i think it's ultimately partly this song is why i ended up putting modern times um above uh love and theft as much as i love that one on my initial like you know top 10 of the albums um it could love and theft easily could have taken that slot but I think this song, just to me, it really sells that album, Modern Times, as like a record where Dylan is willing to just um, wear his heart on his sleeve and write a song that feels like um, it's it's concerned with like life and death issues in a way that feels very generous for, of spirit. And and this song just has such a um, it's such a profound gesture. I think you know uh, that that one simple lyric um but i'll be with you when the deal goes down when the deal goes down no matter what it's like 
it, it, that that is, and it isn't clear what the deal exactly is. Uh, I right? mean, like, to me, it, I feel it, like I know what it is, but I, well, uh, I mean, it seems like he's gesturing it. You know, when they pass, um, yeah. But, you know, I, mean, it's, I think it's, it's about. I think that's what it's about. I mean, to me, I don't read too much into it beyond that. It's just like I'll be with you. Uh, like I'm gonna, like it's all gonna end. You know, this is not right. forever, but I'm gonna like be here, and it's just it brings me to tears. You know. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people have made a lot about how um, time out of mind is all about him reckoning with death and stuff. But it seems like that's about his his death. Right. And 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 this this, song feels like it's like he's extending that hand out, having reckoned with that to uh, to someone else. And that is what makes it feel so um, uh, that's what grabs me about it. Yeah, it's brilliant and kind of striking as his realization of his mortality was on time out of mind there's something even more like like wise and um like metaphysical almost in in a song yeah like metaphysical i'm surprised that's a word a we haven't later. used like we maybe have never even used that word on the add it to the jokerman dictionary yeah met- vituperative the and metaphysical of- yeah, metaphysics or the the metaphysical aspect of Dylan stuff. I mean, it's not like I'm just interested in this as it pertains to Bob Dylan, like himself. I don't I almost don't care about that so much. It's more like I just I just love that he's able to articulate something that feels like it's on the I mean, it's like on the tip of the, the tongue of everybody in the world. It feels like he's just put words to it. And it's it's a beautiful a beautiful so song. Fucking pretty. That, so that intro beautiful. too. Yeah, and that ending. Beautiful. It's, yeah, I mean. Love like song, a, death song, love and death song. Man. Yeah. It's got it all. 19 series of dreams, 1989. Wow. <laughs> Here's a real what more can we say on this one. Well, I mean, Series of Dreams is the best song that Lanois and Dylan never put out. You know, it's the... Well, it's the best song that they ever recorded. And <laughs> that's what I mean. The one that they decided it, not to put out. Yeah. They didn't put it out. and But it it, it feels like su- like a, such a um, a perfect gem of, of what, like, Dylan... What I imagine Lanois, like, wanted to do with Dylan was just, right. like, makes... And maybe, I, I think, I've kind of come to the to feel like the reason it didn't come out was probably that Dylan understood that this was a little bit on the nose for his taste. Right. But for us, the listeners, it's not, I don't think it feels on the nose, especially it's also one of the vehicles for the best music videos of Dylan's career. If not the best, it's it's such a, such a great video that it feels so full of, um, uh, like it feels so, a, a labor of love by somebody who, who really knows their stuff. Yes. Like the effort and the, that went into that video is, is so um, it's, it's like kind of in, in amazing how much is packed into that video in terms of like the iconography of Dylan and through the years. And the song I think is just such an elegant way of stating like, you know, just it like when the deal goes down, you know, or, or, or some other lyrics we've discussed, it's like, uh, it, it's like, well, that's such a great way to put it. You know, all of his work, you know, just amounts to 
you know, I was thinking of a series, a series of, dreams. of dreams. You know, it's just like that's kind of what his whole this whole thing has been. Just this series of dreams. Um, it feels corny to talk about it more more than that. Um, as we get like into like the higher and higher degree levels of like Dylan radiation, I'm finding myself like unable to speak. I, I mean, this one in particular, uh, this might be the one song that we've talked about more than any other. And I like, I, I kind of like that we like have it, it let it sit for a little bit now. Like I, I haven't listened to series of dreams too much recently over the last like two, three months. Uh, cause I felt like I was listening to it every fucking day from yeah, like it, it December, 2020 like to February, 2021. This song feels like the end credits to like Bob Dylan. Yeah. His life. Exactly. And that yeah. music video really is like, it's particularly resonant for idiots like us who like, you know, uh, have kind of, uh, not witnessed him make this journey cause we haven't been alive for most of it, but like have, have gone through it on our own, you know, after the fact, you know, it, it is really kind of a perfect, um, like summary or capstone to the entire Bob Dylan project. And it came before, you know, in 1991, yeah, before you were even born, before I was born. Um, and, and I just love the, I was thinking of, <laughs> I was thinking about, a, dream, a series of dreams, just like thinking it's just of like, it a feels, series of yeah, it feels dreams. so tossed off, you know, yeah. and and none of the dreams seem to like pertain at all to his career. It's just like these sort of uh, archetypal images, you know. I was climbing, I was I was running. Um, it, it it just feels like so universal and also so profound when applied to his particular sure life and. Really must, I mean, I, I know we have been kind of down on Dan Land recently, but, like, this song works because of the oh, way yeah. that it sounds, it, it, it because is of the, the production. The, like, it is such a terrific production by Daniel Lanois. Yeah, this is, you know, this is this is just as much his song as it is Bob's. And it was more more than Bob was willing to put up right. with. Right, <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't put his fucking name on it, that bitch. Uh, 18, The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest, 1967. Uh, yeah, uh, back to the John Wesley well. And this is going to be the highest charting song from John Wesley, which almost I, feels... I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I am too. Like, it, it almost feels like I, I, I feel like it's not the right pick to be the number one song. I don't John know. Wesley, I, but think, I think it is just because it is I, my favorite song on the record. Yeah, me too. And I, I just like can't think of another song on that record that I have such affection for. And feels so like it's such a occupies such a specific little place in my in my heart and mind. I, I this and I'm, I know I'm not alone on that. It's, it's right. just such a it, this song is like a a dream, you know, to go off of a series of dreams. It feels so dreamlike, and listening to it is like remembering like a pleasant dream. It, it has everything of that in it, and it. It, it's 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 just like so timelessly um full of so full of such great character i i, I can't say enough about it yeah I, th- I mean i think what makes it so perfect to me is like john wesley is this record where you've got these like these little like jewel box short story songs that are like little works of art you know your poor immigrants your as i went out one mornings your saint augustines and it's also just got like awesome vibe fun songs i'll be your baby tonight john wesley the song uh, all of which have appeared on this list 
and this is really kind of the moment where it all kind of comes together. You know, th- this is a super fun and jaunty, just like throw it on and you're smiling and listening to Bob tell you this ridiculous story about Judas Priest and Frankie Lee. Um, but it's also got this like, you know, this message, but it isn't really like the message that he's putting across in the songs and actually the message of the song. Like there, there's, there's a lot to dig into here and, and it's still unclear 50, 60 years later, like, what exactly he's putting into this song, what you're supposed to take from it, what he wants you to take from it, and then what he actually wants. Like, you know, there, there's there's a lot to work through, I think. Nothing um, is revealed, Ian. Nothing is revealed, exactly. That's literally it. Um, it's the perfect kind of fusion of both modes of uh, songwriting and music making on John Wesley. What a great record. I also like that this one gives us an easy out every time we talk about it. Oh, nothing's revealed. <laughs> Nothing right. is revealed. Yeah. On to the next. Uh, 17. Uh, tonight, I'll be staying here with you. Um, throw my Perfect ticket song. in the wheel. Right. Yes. The the uh, perfect uh, opener to uh, Bootleg 5, which I think that might be your preferred version of this song. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm partial uh, to the album cut. I don't know. I like the record version. Yeah. A lot. I think that's my favorite rec- my favorite version okay. is, is the record version probably. I like both Good. though. I like yeah, they're that both it's, great. it's so I like the, the more like rough um and uh a- aggressive version uh from the Rolling Thunder era, but I also really like just the the you know as we've said before sort of like golden sunset version uh, that closes out uh the record that it comes on uh yes. skyline. Is it? It's Nashville Skyline, right? Yes, last song in Nashville Skyline. Perfect closer to a perfect record. You know, it's uh, short and sweet and out before you even realize. You know, three minutes long, something like that. Um, the record itself, less than thirty. And uh, this is this is another like there isn't. It just 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 listen to it. Come on, it's tonight. I'll be staying here with you. Of course, this is one of the greatest songs ever written. It's incredible. Uh. 16, boy, this is one that I'm also going to have trouble talking with, although, you know, this isn't, there's a little more to it. It's not quite as simple. Uh, simple Twist of Fate, 1975. Well, I mean, that this feels like it's kind of in a class of its own. I I mean, this is probably the song that's most responsible for me getting into Bob Dylan of any any song, actually. Yeah. I don't know that I, I've ever might, said I that. I might but feel the same way. I, I, I remember distinctly, like, hearing this song, like, played at, like, summer camp, like, around a fire, and I'd never heard of it before, and I'd never, like, listened to Bob Dylan before. And I think that it is what got me into Bob Dylan. Like, I don't, coming to think of it, I think I heard this was, you know, uh, moved, of course, and then... And then purchased Blood on the Tracks. I think that is how I got into Bob Dylan. Yeah. And I'm sure that is the, you know, the origin story for many other Bob fans. Um, I, I think this is this is definitely the song on Blood on the Tracks that got me. I don't know if Blood on the Tracks was the, I can't, I honestly can't remember at this point if Blood on the Tracks was really the first record that did it uh, for me. But this is the first song on Blood on the Tracks that did it for me. I, this might be the Bob song that I've listened to the most out of like every song of his ever um i mean you know i it, it almost like it's one of those songs you know those songs like when you listen to them too much and then you start listening to them again and like you yeah. almost can't pay attention to them or like 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 hear them the same way that you used to like simple toast of fate is 
kind yeah. of like in I that mean, that's, realm that's for why me. as i've said before the whole record of lot on the tracks i think when by the time we first talked about it on the podcast i'd soured a little bit on it because of that like overplaying syndrome but right. the, the you know it's it's like too big a song to uh to for me to like hold on to any of that feeling like it, we got to put it up 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 high on this of course it's uh and you know it's another song though that I don't ever care for any other version of it as much as I like the the one on on the, the one on the record. Yeah, I don't like any. I don't like the lyric changes that happen. Yeah, he fucks I, the lyrics all the time. I think the lyrics live. on this version on the record are just like that's it to me. Like yep. I don't like. I just don't care for when he changes it. It's never I'm as good. You. This is it, it's the Heinz ketchup phenomenon. Like, it is you know, exactly. You go, it's you like go to the a rest restaurant. The, they got the fancy uh, artisanal Chipotle ketchup. ketchup. Yeah. Yeah, to get that, I, I, I want ketchup on the French fries on the burger. I want Heinz. That's that's it. I want Simple Twisted that's, Fate that's, album that's cut so right. track two, nineteen seventy five. Um, what have we got next? Seventy five varieties. <laughs> yeah, Heinz or fifty nine or whatever. Fifty six. How many how many Heinz flavors are there? Uh, fifty seven. It's the inverse of Heinz fifty seven. Yeah, Heinz fifty seven. Yeah. yeah, you said uh, seventy. Yeah. Nineteen seventy five. Fifty seven is the numbers. You know, oh, there it is. Yeah, something there. Number fifteen, the man and me. Damn, I mean, uh, you know, the one. This, this is for the, all the new morning perverts out there. Well, I, I mean, I feel like the per you get perverted when you start. If if you th- if you have a favorite song on New Morning that is not this song, then you are like, you're somebody who drinks. You're like a New a Morning full, pervert. You drink a full glass of milk with every meal. You you are <laughs> like you are somebody who like uh, you, you you like your favorite holiday food is like honey baked ham. You are somebody who. Uh, who who thinks Pringles are the best chip? You're somebody who uh, you you don't eat the pickle that comes with your sandwich. Like this is just right. That is, this is perverted shit. If you think there's a better song on on uh, on on this record, if on a new morning, there's not. If new morning had been eleven or twelve songs all like this, we would think new morning is a great record, but it isn't. But and it, it has like one incredible. This is just a all timer, and exactly. again, I'll just I can't stress enough. If you think there's a better song on this record, you need help. You need help. You need to go to some sort of conversion therapy. We're going to be opening up some sort of institute uh, at some point in the next year. Not even saying that the other songs are like necessarily bad. It's just like so stark the difference. Like it's like throwing away the rock. Uh, I mean the diamond because in keeping the rock that it came in like th- that is you are you are out of your gourd which it should be noted this is not to put down if not for you no as we've good, covered you know? on this podcast before if not for you is a George Harrison song great George Harrison number yes 14 born in time 1990 Yes, there is an Under the Red Sky song this high yeah, on the list. It is this high, yeah. And and it's because... it's because And yes, it's the Red Sky a, version. Yeah, because that is the best version in terms of the lyrics. They are they're actually... There's certain lyrical subtleties that I think the, the Red Sky version just nails. Yep. Um, it is... Uh, it's not the best Dylan vocal take of all time but 
the song is magic, you know. It's a. Uh, I actually kind of like his vocal on that. I, I like it. I mean, I, I, it's got I this raspy that, kind of, you know. It's uh, not. It's like a little bit out of his range. It's like a little low, you know. But it's yeah. uh, it's great, you know. And uh, I think of you in black and white. And uh, you and uh, you can have what's left of me. You know, yeah. Lyrics like that. Like these are. In the in the foggy ruins of destiny, like, foggy web of destiny, you can have what's left of me, where we were born in time. In the yeah. record breaking heat, yeah, in the record breaking heat, sort of like so, uh, it feels a little bit like it could have been on a uh, on like uh, time out of mind or something. Right. Well, I mean, it was an O Mercy song, uh, and there's several versions of this that were recorded for the O Mercy record on Telltale Signs, which are also right. great. They're you know. It, you know, I they, I go but back and some, forth. There's just something great about the that record version on. Yeah, the record version is really you know, it, and it's got sky. that kind of corny under the red sky sound. This really kind of cheesy piano and stuff, and the really kind of like glossy early '90s guitar sound. You know, it's it's very it's very of the. T- it might be the most dated sounding record in his entire catalog, but there is something appropriate I think about about that for this song. Uh, um, yeah, and again, to back to like the metaphysics of of, of Dylan and in this song, it, it has that that mysterious you know title and main lyric. It's like born and when we born were in time, born yeah, in exactly. time. It's just like where you happen to be popped out into the the vast web of of history and destiny. It's a uh, it's a song that is bigger than its than its uh, riches. You know, it's it's a big song. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, it's it's a simple song, but there's so much beneath the surface. You know, it's like an, it's like an iceberg. Uh, and the, the iceberg yeah, keeps the metaphors coming. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, I think this is one that is is, insofar as anything in his catalog is is overlooked. I think this is one that that can be overlooked, uh, especially considering the record and the time era uh, that this this came out in. So if if you're not as familiar with this, go back to it. Listen to the Telltale Signs version, uh, versions as well. Um, it's really an incredible, you know, middle period kind of document of where he was at. Boy, we're getting close now. 13, Standing in the Doorway, 1997. Gee. Boy, oh boy. Like one of the saddest songs, uh, uh, the best heartbreak song, one of them. It doesn't have that just, much competition in the terms of in in when it comes to Dylan heartbreak numbers. This is the, just you put the song on, you hear that guitar for the first two seconds, and you know you're in for yeah. it. Oh man, know. that that guitar! It's like even before yep. two seconds, it's just oh. <laughs> yeah. You can just feel your heart fucking crunch in your chest, and the organ there in the background, just like barely there. This is yeah, really, yeah. you know, Lenoir, you know, I he's good when he's good. And he's good on this one. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this this song kind of got put together and pieced together over time if if there's more kind of demo Yeah, it's cuts. one of, it's one of the best Lenoir productions too. It's so uh, it's so perfect. Yeah. It's And, it's and quiet. he sounds so pained. You know, yesterday everything was going too fast, today it's moving too slow. Yeah. There's almost like a 
like he's not doing a crooner thing on this song, uh, but I almost wonder like if he recorded it 10 or 15 years later or 10 or 15 years earlier, if like there is some sort of crooner element to it to me. Yeah, well, I it's think. not, it, it feels a little bit like something on, you know, like in the wee small in hours. The, exactly. Or September of my years or yeah. something. Um, yeah, there's a real classic kind of heartbreak sense to it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think absolutely like the centerpiece of of the Time Out of Mind record, as far as I'm concerned. I think it's the best song on Time Out of Mind. Well, we we think that because that's the highest rating song on Time Out of Mind on on the Jokerman 100. So we're letting that one sit at this point. We still got 12 more to go, which brings us to number 12, 2020. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Yeah, that's that's a I think as as pure a love song. Maybe if not, you know, like the best of all the love songs ever, but it's in the running for that because it is such a pure, straightforward song in a way that I think is only something you can do once you figured out exactly what not to do, which takes decades, it turns out. It took like 79 just, years. You know, just to like, I'm going to not do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to make... I'm going to make a bunch of great lyrics that that go around one incredibly simple lyric that uh again it's that like thing that'll have every every songwriter just kicking themselves that they didn't just do the obvious thing write a song like that you know why didn't I think of that I've made up my mind to give myself to you <laughs> like how 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 can you uh you can't be clearer. I will put my hat down. I think it is his greatest love song, as far as I'm concerned. All right. You heard it here first, maybe. There you go. How's that for a hot take? I mean, yeah, the, the lyrics are just like as bone dry, simple as you're ever going to get. Sitting on my terrace, lost in the stars, listening to the sounds of the sad guitars, been thinking it all over, and I thought it all through. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. You know, th- we're not reinventing the wheel here. This isn't Gates of Eden. Actually, um, you are. He is like he he fully is reinventing the wheel. Like he's just deciding. You know what people haven't made in a while? Just a wheel. A wheel. <laughs> like this song is just inventing the wheel. It's just like, well, uh, I need to get somewhere. Uh, I need to make a song about love. I will do it now. <laughs> And he goes and he does it, and there's nothing extra. There's nothing, no frills. It is right. Just, yeah, every piece, every part is exactly in its right place. Uh, and the, just the the music, also, just the 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 it way just, it sounds. It that goes, that ghostly yeah. kind of like like ooing from someone. I don't know who's doing the backup mm-hmm. vocals on this, but it's like you know the fucking barbershop quartet on the river sticks or something. Um, it it's. It, uh, unimaginably beautiful um and that that haunting guitar line i think it's a blake mills guitar work yep. on this track it just you know it it's it's a perfect uh object um and really really can only be could only be written by this guy at this moment in time like you know if, if he wrote this song 50 years ago it wouldn't have that same kind of weight to it but these decades of, of history that have kind of added up and and are now weighing down upon him all at once there's there's just such this this incredible weight to this song um that uh, that only comes with age 
and a lightness too. You know, it's like it, it feels right at the same time. It's totally such a light natural. touch. Exactly. Um, you know, perfect song. What's perfect next? record? Eleven, Shelter from the Storm, nineteen seventy-five. No, no so, two ways around it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, why is it so low? Is what some people might say. Right. Exactly. Uh, this is it's kind of like what we were just saying, you know, shelter from the storm is is also a, a sort of a I wouldn't say that it is. I mean, it's a love song, but it is also a song that is um, it's bigger than that. It, it's more just like it's 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 not just about me and you. It's a song that's about, um, you know, or, or somebody giving themselves to another person. It's a song that's about the the storm you know it's it like it's just an impossibly bold and um and it and massive lyric that is so sim- dead simple you know shelter right. from the storm like you hear that enough times in the song you just realize that it kind of covers everything like it's about the pain that everybody you know it's what everyone really wants is to escape the 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 pain and the the uh, the traumatic world and and it frames it in the in this just perfectly elegant way. It's uh, I, I we didn't do this on purpose, but I do actually see some sort of like rhyme uh, or resonance between this and I've made up my mind. Um, yeah, because they are both you know love ish songs, but I think they're really representative of the eras and the times in which he wrote them both like you know in 1975 he's writing this incredible dense long lengthy complicated song that is a love song but at the same time you're absolutely right Evan like has this like wide kind of vision against the entire world and then 50 years later he's still you know he's still doing the same thing he's still animated by the same concerns but he's like laser focused narrowed his purview in on just him and you, whoever that is, or, whatever I, that I is. I wouldn't say the laser. Yeah, it's not narrow. It's it's more like he's realized, like in that. In I've made up my mind. It's it's like uh, it's it's more about like how it, it's just, it's the same thing well, he's, as this he's, song. You know, it's, it's like the, about how he's simplified. He's stripped out everything extraneous that, or you know, everything that could be considered extraneous on something like Shelter from the Storm. It's if you know, if it's animated by the same concerns, the same messages. He's he's found a way to get that same thing across with with the equal. Well, yeah, it's not like th- weight, what, what this but song without would, all the words. This song you know, is without also. All of the, it's not just the words. It's it's that this. I mean. Uh, Shelter from the Storm also paints a, a picture of a world that is in turmoil, whereas uh, I've made up my mind is it, it already assumes you know that, you know. But the uh, uh, Shelter from the Storm kind of t- tells you a little bit more about, you know, this world of steel-eyed death and men fighting to be born, all of these uh, grim and, and intense images of the... Uh, the trials of, of man and then come in she said i'll give you shelter from the storm so it's, they kind of are two sides of the same coin yeah and equally as good pretty much um okay here it you is ready for the top 10 i'm ready what do we got right. this number number 10 i love this pick uh i'm sure this is gonna piss some people off uh <laughs> number 10 tight connection to my heart <laughs> 
You know, this wouldn't be Jokerman podcast if we didn't do something like that. But I, it's not just a bit either. Um, this is absolutely his 10th best song, if not higher. Okay, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking, I'll, like, I'll, it, you have the floor. I'll take the floor gladly. It's such an inventive uh, mishmash of everything that was going on at this moment in time in his career and up until this time in his career. Um, and like it shouldn't work and like it almost kind of doesn't, but somehow it still does. Like there's there's this this moment in the song when you get towards the end and you just realize like, what the fuck is he talking about? Someone's in a powder blue wig and like someone's singing Memphis in June. And like, it doesn't make it like if you're trying to follow this from beginning to end and get any sort of sensical story uh, from what's happening here. Good fucking luck, buddy. Um, just like the music video directed by the great Paul Schrader. Uh, you can't really tell what the hell's going on there. Um, but is is in fact an arresting uh, visual image and one of his greatest, if not his greatest. Um, I don't know. You just you pack all this stuff in here, and nine times out of ten, it shouldn't work. And this is the one nine time, uh, 99 times out of 100, it shouldn't work. But this is the one time that it does all kind of come together somehow. You've got the backing vocals. You've got the plotting ridiculous 1985 synthesizer you've got this weird ass guitar solo that pops up and then like kind of goes away and then comes back later my, my favorite you, thing in the whole song is that uh that synthesizer that comes in for a second that sounds like a accordion or or something yes yeah exactly <laughs> it's there's just there's like there's nine times too much shit going on in this you song you can listen back into it again and again and hear another little weird detail um and yeah, it, it's like it's a maximalist song that uh, makes a good case for maximalism. But also, absolutely, it's, it's it's a song that when you take it away, that stuff away, and he just performs it, and you just hear it, is also just like so good. <laughs> like yeah, that the, version the, on the Supper Club. I think the it Supper was. Club version exactly proves the bones of this song. A seven and a half minute acoustic version of this song with his like little folk band ten years after the fact is just as good, if not better. Like it's just. It really is a, um, you know, I, I, a lot of people shit on Empire Burlesque, Knocked Out Loaded, Down in the Groove, you know, maybe more so on the, the latter two records, deservedly so for, for some of the songwriting. But, um, you know, if you can get past the, you know, quote unquote dated sound, um, you know, there there is just a wealth of, of uh, fantastic material in this era and this is i think really kind of like the number one song uh from 85 on as far as i'm concerned he's he's quoting like humphrey bogart lyrics from maltese falcon also with some of the lines that he's singing. it's just yeah humphrey bogart lyrics humphrey bogart lines in the lyrics excuse me <laughs> you haven't ever heard uh humphrey bogart's uh, crooner phase <laughs> right uh, <laughs> um it rocks. I don't know what to say. Tight connection. And I heart. haven't even Number started 10. yet. Oof. Woo! P- pretty good video too. I fucking love this song. Um, number ten. Number nine. Number nine. You're up to so bat. This is this is my uh, time to take the time to shine. Number the, nine. Yeah. 
Pay in Blood 2012, the highest ranking Tempest song on the list. And for my money, at least, the best song on Tempest. I never, um, ever, ever will get sick of this song. (laughs) It's it's one of the most ugly, uh, depraved lyrics, and it, it just wallows around in it. And it's it's better than like even Tom Waits and his like you know ghoulish fancies that he like <laughs> plums so much on so many records, many of which I really like and enjoyed, but have kind of grown out of a little bit over time, um, or have like aged not so well for me. But this this song is just like uh, I I don't think I'll ever tire of it. Um, nothing more wretched you know that that first line just like him coming out of the gate with that absolutely like uh decrepit and snarling uh well i'm grinding my life out i i love to see people's reactions so to that steady and sure nothing more wretched than what i must endure there's just so much filth on this song and it feels like uh, triumph despite that like I, I don't know another song that feels so triumphantly ugly and to me that's just like liberating like it just make it makes me feel so good to hear a song that is like um, it, it feels so like does not as to quote the great man uh, turn turn a blind eye to human nature you know it is it is a absolutely um, vile <laughs> song in terms of what it understands yes. about the world. And that the fact that it is um, so uh, high spirited and it feels so badass, like despite <laughs> that, it's just like there's something life affirming to, to me about that, like on a deep level. I just um, as you age and get more and more, uh, it gets harder and harder to ignore the difficulty, the, the horror of life and, and aging and, and violence and all this. It's just like incredibly uh, uplifting to hear someone who's in approaching their eighties come out with a song where they feel like they're riding that, like a big wave. (laughs) It's just great. It is like, anthemic yeah like that's not really a a word that it's associated with bob very much you know but there is like this is like i just i you can't help but like fucking like headbang to it uh you know it's it's uh, that that lyric too i mean just i pay in blood but i pay in blood but not my own yeah it's the fucking most punk rock song i think in the last 10 years it's it's straight metal like it is so uh hardcore yeah, harder than anything that uh, uh, any. It's proof positive. Indie that darling you, has been releasing. Yeah, you That's do not. Sure. You do not need to actually sound like metal to be harder than metal. Like this yeah. is this song is way ahead of uh, your your favorite um, like undecipherable logo type like <laughs> black metal group or whatever. I've been through hell. What good did it do? Yeah, you bastard. I'm supposed to respect you. Another politician pumping out his piss. Pumping Another out ragged piss. beggar blowing you a kiss. Blowing I you lo- a kiss. I love that one. Uh, 
I mean, you, I think it's something that also helps me is just like that makes me feel like uh, extra confident about how I feel about the song. It's like you just you you might hear it and think like, oh, it's kind of gross. And then you, you think of it in terms of like, well, what if you just like played this for a relative? Then it would you would you really start thinking about like the lyrics and how like how abject they are. And this song <laughs> is like a uh, it's like a church gargoyle. It's like a it's like a Hieronymus Bosch picture. Right. Yeah. It's it's just everything right up in your face. And it is uh, it is foul and like uh, it is it is beautiful. Yeah, I like to think of uh, you know you go you go you go home. One of us goes home for the holidays, you know, for Thanksgiving. You're making small talk with your cousin or whatever. They're like, oh, what 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 have you been up to? Just, oh, I do a Bob Dylan pop podcast. You know, talk about Bob Dylan on on the computer. Oh, Bob Dylan. He, I like uh, he's blown in the wind. That's a good song. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, what what are the other ones? You know, uh, um, uh, Maggie's Farm. That's another good one. And then you just like, oh, I'll, I'll, this is my Bob Dylan song that I like, and then this is the song that you play. For. It's, but but again, it's like you, you probably wouldn't notice if you didn't like read along with it. It takes a while to understand just what's being done well, here. Even the way he sounds, just literally like he's like a dragon or something. Yeah, it is. A, it is. It is. This is tiger. Much blood. has been made of you know his vocal performance on Tempest. That seems to be a major strike against it uh, with uh, a lot of uh, Bobcats out there. But this, I think, you know, whether or not you even. Uh, 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 acknowledge or think that you know he has a quote unquote bad vocal delivery on the record, which I'm not saying that either of us do. Uh, the vocal delivery for this song in particular is perfectly similar. Yeah, and it, and I think it's a song that makes me uh, love and see the darkness uh, of all the other songs uh, in higher relief, in like sharper relief and like more high contrast. It, it's like knowing that he can go th- this way makes all the allusions to violence and to degradation and all the other songs feel a little bit more like uh weighty just knowing that he's got this in him yep well we've got plenty more pain blood time to talk in the future so we'll let that sit my load on that but uh what's next (sighs) number eight murder most foul um boy I think a lot is enough has been said about murder. <laughs> we 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 do fully intend to come back to rough and I rowdy think we, and we murder might, most foul. If we don't even particular. do a, a murder most foul episode on its own, I think we yeah. it's possibly in the cards. Exactly. So, um, you know, nothing I, else it, like it, and probably never will be. Um, yes, the the single you know uh, one of the singular masterworks of a singular master. It's uh, nothing that we could say in ninety seconds of riffing on it on this uh, uh, episode would do anywhere near justice of what this is. So you know, click play, drop the needle. It's all right there in the music. Number seven. When I paint my masterpiece, nineteen seventy one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this might be a surprise to some people, but um, this is one that we haven't really talked about on the show that much. Not too much. I just think of it as like basically the perfect Bob Dylan song. Like if I could explain what's good about Bob Dylan in one song, it might just be playing this to somebody. Mm. It comes in such a random part of his career. Like it was like seventy one. It was like between records. 
Well, this is um, what I was talking it's about. It's not on an album. Yeah, it came right. out on the greatest hits, volume two, I think. I think so, but I think that uh, for my money, at least, I don't know you. You are uh, the more uh, the heavier partisan on this um, uh, than I am at the moment, at least. But for my money, the uh, the demo cut on the another self portrait bootleg series that's just him and the piano. That's the one that, that is, I like. That's that favorite. is the one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Striking. I like any version of it, but I I actually love that version the most. Yeah, um, it's just it, it's got such a. a a, a wonderful sense of um, just like imagination. It's like, it's cool to hear him go like as, as far as he goes on something like blonde on blonde, but like if he feels relaxed in it now, like at ease in it now, it's not like he's trying to prove or to persuade or to um, rile you up. It's, it's just, um, it's, it's just like a, a kind of perfect metaphor for his career, for who he is as an artist and a right. great mission statement. Um, you know, it, it, it's about creating art. It's about like the absurdity of the world. And, uh, between those two poles, it's just like, it, it finds humor and, um, and, 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 uh, such, it's such a sense of like a big picture in every sense. I just, can't yeah. get enough of that. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's sort of a funny kind of like oddball song. He's like talking about hanging out in the Coliseum and dodging lions and stuff, but then he's also well, dodging, flying to those, Brussels those and flying in the plane. Dodging it's like, lions and wasting time. Wasting all the time, time, yeah. Like I think of that sort of line. I think that there's a lot could be read into that as like a, referencing his his you know the the recent years up to that point of his career. Now it's all the time I spent in the Coliseum dodging lions and wasting time. Right. Um, and, you know, the mighty kings of the jungle. Uh, it sure has been a long, hard climb. And, of course, it's just got that refrain of, you know, everything's going to be beautiful when I paint my masterpiece. And right. it's just like... This, everything's going to sound like a rhapsody. Yeah, it's such a beautiful and uh, aspirational song that basically, effectively, to me, just, like, puts... Uh, uh, hope uh, it feels ho- so hopeful and so um, inspiring that it's just like the best is yet to come uh, from from me. Like there's, there's, I'm not giving up isn't even part of the question. It's like yeah, just, so fucking funny that he would write this song when I paint my masterpiece in 1971, six years after putting out fucking Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is like, it's funny. I haven't, I haven't painted my masterpiece yet. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, he keeps, he keeps painting one. Yeah, he does. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great, it's a great little song, you know, it's, uh, it's short, it's sweet, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and clearly something that is, I think has stuck with him throughout time because yeah, he's that brought it, it, it brought it back getting, on the never ending tour and then he obviously played it in Shadow profound, Kingdom. More, more interesting to hear it. Yeah. He still hasn't painted his masterpiece. No, nobody has. <sighs> Number six. Oh boy. Every grain of sand, 1980. Not 81, 1980. Oh, not so shot of love. Not it's the shot demo of love. version. Is that what this is the demo version <clears throat> with the from dog. the first bootleg series with the dog. The this dog is the cut. dog version. Doggy cut. Uh, really, I mean, maybe my favorite 
lyric of, of all time of his, um, you know, the, just the more that I think about it, um, I, it's so far beyond any sort of like, you know, terrestrial religious pursuit or, or concern, you know, uh, obviously there is some sort of spiritual or like, you know, Christian dimension to it. You know, he's referencing Cain and stuff like that in the lyric, but it's so humanist. I think we've talked about this before. It, it, there's yeah, there's it this, a, this deep well of humanism to this song um, and, and understanding and compassion and pity um, that is, is so generous and like inspiring and really makes me feel like, you know, bigger than myself or, or, you know, aspirational. Like I want to do better and be better or something, which is an unfamiliar feeling, especially trying to get out of a, you know, a pop song. Um, at, at least for me. Um, but just, you know, this, this, this message I think is, is, is simple, is easy to, easy to hear, easy to like kind of understand on a surface level. But when you really think about it and really kind of like, yeah, you have to let it uh, really uh, wrestle with it a bit. There's a, yeah, there's in the time of my confession in the hour of my deepest need. And, uh, you know, there's a dying voice within me, like reaching out somewhere. Mm. These lines that sort of, um, it, yeah, he sort of is realizing it himself in the song, and I think that's what makes it feel so uh, immediate. Is is that it's like a song about recognizing that he is not um, he's not infallible, and that the and, and you the world meet doesn't him end at so- him. He is yeah, that, that's the thing. Every grain of sand. The the key image of the song is. Um, it's a classic way to just remind you, you know, that you are not the center of the universe. And yeah, every hair is numbered, every grain of sand, you know, we are all just one. We ourselves are grains of sand and every hair number or, and you know, hairs. Um, some of the lyrics that he put together in this song are just like fucking unbelievable. Like I hear the ancient footsteps, like the motion of the sea, Interesting Sometimes that he says I ancient footsteps. He says ancient footsteps in that. Mm-hmm. He also says ancient footsteps and uh, ancient footprints in when I paint my masterpiece. <laughs> ancient footprints are everywhere. All right, uh, I hadn't made that connection. Um, I hear the ancient footsteps like the motion of the sea. Sometimes I turn. There's someone there. Other times it's only me. I like. Yeah. I've gone from rags to riches in the sorrow of the night, in the violence of a summer's dream, in the chill of a wintry light. I, I could just read off like, every light line and from not this night song. too. That's like a. I mean, it's it's, it, it's just yeah. it. It's number uh, it's what, what number six? Number six. <laughs> yeah, number six, and it has to be. It has to be the demo from the bootleg series, the shot of love take. Is you know it's it's still it's still every grain of sand. I'm not going to turn my nose up at it, but it's too long, it's too heavy, too much harmonica soloing. This is a this is we should be focused on Bob singing, piano, simple, perfect. A dog barking in the background, a little bit of uh, female vocal. I, it's probably Carolyn Dennis in the background, I would guess. Um, that demo cut is just perfect. It's like a just a perfect little moment in time. A uh, perfect grain of sand, if you will. Right. Top five, most of the time, 1989. Uh, perfect song. Yeah, perfect song. Um, 
outdoes like every other uh, sort of song like it. <laughs> in like one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Um, we've said a lot about most of the time in the past, so I don't think that we need to say much more. But, uh, you know, God forbid you've had your heart broken. Um, go have it broken cleanly in half if there's still <laughs> a part like uh, dangling off, you know. Man. And listen to this song. Most of the time. What a just perfectly dumb, stupid, simple concept for a song that <laughs> that, that just uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like of, so perfectly it be, realized. Uh, it could be like a country song. You know, there's like so many country songs have sort of like a a punchline. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. As, and, exactly. And and so, some of the best and most profound country songs have are the ones that they have that punchline, which could work as a joke, or like punch you in in your soul <laughs> and uh then <laughs> they opt for the latter they decide not to make it into a um in, into just a a novelty like there could be a song where it's like most of the time you know where it just kind of like ends up being kind of hokey and this right. song lanois makes sure that didn't happen and and that baseline is just one of the best of uh of all it's uh one, two, three. Perfect song. You know, it's great. Great work on this one, Dan. Number four. Had to be here. Idiot wins. Yeah. This is how you get to most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best songs about fame. It's one of the best songs about, like, it's, it's like a short story. It's like a, it, it's uh, like a whole it's movie. It's like a novel. Yeah, it's it, this. This song is more than just a song. It is like a yeah. It, it feels like somehow you can see this song, you can read it, you can. Uh, I, I mean, I think the images in it are just like, I mean, blowing through the buttons in our coats, blowing through the letters that we wrote. It just like rips up the whole rule book, and it, it it's no nothing less than like, you know, it, it's on the level of like James Joyce when it comes to songwriting. Like this is like as good as it gets basically. It really is, you know, as good as, as good as everyone makes it out to be, which is an annoying take uh, from the internet's most contrarian and dumbest Bob Dylan podcast. But you know, sometimes you just got to go with the conventional wisdom. Number three, I threw it all away. 1969. We're really doing the heartache ones uh, toward the, here, uh, the that's, end here. Well, that's that's us. What what can we say? Not for the last two, I don't think. Yeah. But you know, up until here, if we had made this list at the beginning of this entire uh, adventure, I think this probably would have been number one for me at least. Uh, and it's still it's still up there. You know, number three, still pretty high. Um, Another perfect song, you know. Uh, it, this it does not get any clearer, any truer, any more profound in its simplicity. Two yeah, it's like twenty six goes seconds. in in reverse. It's like you get uh, if you listen to this song, um, I threw it all away. Then you won't end up at Idiot Win, and then wind. consequently, yeah, exactly. you won't end up at most of the time. Yeah, you've got to yeah. you've got to take the song to heart. Um, it's, and it's just as like far as taking songs to heart. I mean, like this is really a song that has. I know it's uh, been I, very important to you, yeah, and I think has it's been informed important to, my life and my life decisions more than any other. I think in in 
ever. And, and to me, I mean, it's a, it, it also is, it's a, it's a song saying, don't be uh, stupid. And to, and really the message I think that's profound about it is, is a song that it, it tells you to be grateful. And that is, uh, of utmost importance, you know, of, of being grateful for what you have and not, yeah. not letting it pass, not letting time, uh, pass you by thinking about what you what you could have how things could be different or better you'll just uh, it'll slip through your fingers like the uh, sorry sack of shit in this song right and there's something just so striking about arriving at this this particular insight this particular attitude after everything that he'd fucking gone through in the preceding eight years up until this and the towering heights just breaking all the new ground you could possibly break in the field of recorded music. And then where does he arrive at the end of all of it? You know, writing a country crooner. One thing is for certain. Love you surely is all be there is. And, and if you it threw makes, it all away. Yeah. Love, love is all the is world. All there is and it makes the world go round. Makes the world go love round. and only love. It can't be denied. No matter what you think about it, just won't do to live without it. Take a tip from when he's tried. I threw it all away. We're down to the top two. Wow. Okay. Here we are. And here's where we're going to swerve. The name of the podcast is Jokerman. The number one song is not Jokerman. The number two song is Jokerman. Jokerman. 1983. Um, pretty good song. Not bad, you know. You got anything? No. Okay. <laughs> it's art in your fucking face, I think, as uh, as the director of the music video put it. Yeah, that's the best. Well said. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, number one, the best song that Bob Dylan has ever recorded, according to the Jokerman, at least as of this moment in time. I'm sure this will change. Any guesses? <laughs> it's Mississippi. It's, it's got to be Mississippi, it's the folks. Best Bob Dylan song. <laughs> Perfect song. In a list of perfect songs, I've been saying perfect song very often. This is the perfect song of all of the songs. What more can you want from a, a track? It's beautiful. It's simple. It's complex. It's a love song. It's a song about regret and sadness and missed opportunities. It's a song about people. It's a song about the world. It's recorded by an absolutely hot shit crack band musicians. It sounds exactly the way that Bob wants it to, contra yeah, many of the other songs million, on this playlist. A million shots at making it sound different ways, and then it ends up and, this but, way. And it and it fuck and it worked out. You know, it it, uh, it it there are numerous documents of what this song could have been. I'm sure we're gonna get even more when the Time Out of Mind bootleg series comes out, but. You know, whatever else is out there, even if there is a whole fucking love and theft bootleg series at some point, which it's interesting, there really hasn't been any extra material that's leaked from those sessions. Um, this is it. This is the version. This is the song. This is the perfect kind of summation of what this guy is capable of. Um, and uh, and it came out in the 21st century. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I think that there's there's. We have to. It's just you, you got to appreciate what he's what he's capable of doing, and I think that it makes sense to have a 21st century song on top of this list. I, I just never ever get sick of this song. Yeah, and I probably never ever will. And 
yeah, it's 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 just like a shining gold. It's 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 everything you want out of Bob Dylan. It's got like the the crazy lyrical uh, flourishes, but not too crazy that it becomes like uh, all about that. It's it's like earthy. It's it's spacey. It's like about real things and fake things. It's about like him. It's not about him. It's about you. It's about me. And it's about the great state of Mississippi. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. You can see whatever you want to see in this song, I think. It can be as simple and straightforward as you want it to be if you're just reading, you know, black lyrics off a white page. Uh, or it can be a fucking, you know, um, parable for the entire, you know, founding and bloody history of the United States. Uh, or it can be both. It can be neither, you know. It, 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 there's, there's so much there. Um, and um, so much to work on and work through. And obviously he is writing this song with such a deep well of knowledge and appreciation and coming from this you know, long lineage of, of songwriters and singers um, and folk musicians that goes back decades, centuries at this point. Um, you know, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. It, it's sort of transmutable in that way. Um, the same way the Joker Man is, um, uh, you know, there's there's just this lingering sense of majesty and and um, like they would like like these weren't even. I, I think Bob has even said it himself. Like like you know the best songs that he's write uh, that he that he writes that he's able to write don't even feel like he's writing them. They the songs exist and he just grabs them and, and like manifests them. Um, and Mississippi, I think, is the perfect example of of that kind of song that writing that that songwriting approach. And number zero, gotcha. it's uh, <laughs> trouble. Trouble, trouble from uh, <laughs> from shot of love. Oof! But we got you. You thought we were going to do Joker Man at the top of the list. We didn't do Joker Man. We didn't. Could have been Joker Man. Wasn't yeah. Joker Man. But it's pretty close. good song. It's it's close. Number two. It's so good. Well. Thank you for sticking with us through, uh, I told you this was going to be three hours. It's even over three hours now. We're at 147. Mm-hmm. I think we've probably done about five hours collective on the Jokerman 100. It's a long time. Well, I hope you all got mad. Um, you are allowed to do that if you subscribe to the podcast on Patreon at the, true, at the pay in blood level, which is yeah. $5 a month. A lot of good stuff coming up. Yeah, and and actually, the Jokerman podcast is not finished after this. Um, right. <laughs> it's, I just want to stress that uh, this we is have not many, the end of the line for us. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be uh, with all the teasing that we've done over the Tempest episodes. We, we've got to stick around for those, if nothing else. Thank you for joining us. Jokerman. Every step of the way We walked the line Your days are numbered So I'm bored Time is piling up We struggle and we strain We're all boxed in Nowhere to escape 
Never do you justice. 